screen for films starting 9 p.m. or later, and admission to the infamous Reaction Dance Party. For prices and for more information, please visit truefalse.org. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the weekly walkthrough here on KCOU 88.1. I'm Ethan Salm. Alongside me is my co-host, Nick Catlin. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Nice to be in the studio. This is our uh, first show here on KCOU 88.1, and we are very excited to uh, bring you what happened in sports the last week. Nick, you want to talk a little bit about where, what we're about here on the show? We're about talking about numerous sports. We talk a lot about football, basketball, NBA, and college basketball both. And then we talk about some of the free agencies in, in all around sports, basically, and a little bit of MMA and interesting topics that have surfaced throughout the week. So we bring you everything in sports, not necessarily just everything Mizzou-related, and we are very excited that you are here with us this morning, we're going to jump right into it. Last week, one week ago, was uh, NFL Championship Sunday in the NFC and the AFC. And we're going to start with talking about the Saints and the Rams. You can go first on this one. You can go first. So, <laughs> I was in the car coming back to Mizzou on Sunday. So, I didn't necessarily watch a lot of football, but I listened to it uh, a lot of it on the radio. And let me tell you, listening to it on the radio is great. Kevin Harlan is great, but it's not the same as watching it on TV. But, uh, yeah, this was a good game. It, I felt like the uh, the Saints controlled a lot of it up until the very end and when the Rams came back and eventually won the game. And, I mean, you can't talk about this game without talking about the uh, no call at the end. Yeah, for sure. But with that being said, this game was nowhere close to being a, a robbery, in my opinion, just based on that call. I think that you can definitely make that argument. But when something... But they played 58 minutes before this, before that play had happened. And just to go through it, when the Saints, their first possession, drove up the field, got a field goal. The next ensuing drive by the Rams, Todd Gurley dropped a pass, went right into the linebacker's hands. The Saints get the ball like the 30. They get, they go three plays, three and out, six yards total, kick the field goal. Up 6 nothing. They settled for a field goal when they could have gone up 10 nothing I mean, in the and, game. And... Even after the penalty, the Rams still got the ball and had to score, right? Yeah. The they, Saints defense could have stopped them there. Yeah, but just going, you needed to take that opportunity. I mean, they played great against Todd Gurley, especially. They game planned perfectly for him and stopped him, and I believe the Patriots are going to take note in that for the Super Bowl. But they also let C.J. Anderson bust out a couple of good runs to keep some drives going as well. And, I mean, since our last show before break, that's one of the new, like, emerging running back duos in the league. C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, they seem to counterpart each other pretty well. When one's not going, the other one just starts going. And the Rams always seem to have a running game now since the addition of C.J. Anderson. Yeah, C.J. Anderson has been a major a major key to that team. He has, he's been the workhorse. You think, I mean, I think he's had a better postseason than Todd Gurley especially. Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley has struggled in the last last half of the season, I'd say. I mean, the first half he played outstanding, and then I predicted he would fall off. He did fall off a little bit. He still had a great year, but he has especially struggled these last two games in the playoffs. Got benched this last week, but we'll see how he plays in the Super Bowl. It's going to be an interesting matchup with it's, how good the it's Chiefs. It's easily the biggest game of his career, Todd Gurley, oh, and yeah. most of the Everyone, young Rams. Everyone, most of the young everyone's Rams. biggest game. I I'd mean, say. and I mean for Tom Brady, of course, you've been there and you've done that already. But the uh, the Rams are a very young team, and it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. But yeah. uh, we aren't actually going to talk too much about Super Bowl predictions this week. We're going to save that for next week because we have a show on Super Bowl Sunday, so we're just going to stick to recapping. Um, some of the championship game action. So is that all we have on the Rams and the Saints, or do you have more? Uh, I guess I guess for the whole biggest game, you could make an argument for C.J. Anderson, but C.J. Anderson, it will be his quote-unquote biggest game as well. I mean, and I am, uh, 
I'm just, I'm honestly a little disappointed. I wish that I could see Drew Brees playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I think that'd be a fun matchup. Yeah, one of the one of the big keys, and I think in this Super Bowl, and I've never really seen this before, is that for the for the next week or two, people are going to be talking about whether or not whether or not like it's more like did the right team is the best team in it especially with the Saints game because I think most of America believes that the Saints are better than the Rams this year I would I think, agree with that I mean they beat them once in the regular season and I mean they could have should have probably won the game on Sunday oh I think they definitely should have won but you know sometimes if you don't you don't execute well enough it just doesn't go your way and like I said they I think that I think that when the Rams offense had no yards in the entire first quarter and you look up and you see you're only up what I think they were up they might have been up 13 nothing I don't know where they scored that but first still, touchdown but I mean but still that's not like for not scoring and not really even being able to move the football that's not a horrible deficit to be down it could definitely be much worse yeah that was that was the big concern I saw going into going into like the second half especially once and then it was just they just needed to execute properly, and they would have ended up winning this game by a lot. And the Saints' offense has really dwindled since they, uh, since they're basically since they started that little down after they played the Vikings, and then and then after their second half, they had that terrible spurt where they just weren't scoring as many points. The only offense that really kept their that really kept their mojo going all season was the Chiefs in terms of scoring. The Chiefs' offense never really played "quote unquote" bad except for the first half against uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots last week. And even then, they did they played like that week four, week five, whenever they matched up against them the first time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there wasn't really much. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, all. I, I, that's what I got. Yeah, there you, there you go. Um, and uh, speaking of the Chiefs, we're going to jump over there now. Okay. I, I wrote down some key points as to why the Chiefs lost. So and I'll just I'll just, just go just through. for everyone uh, that doesn't know, I'm from Chicago. I'm a Bears fan. I'm a Cubs fan. Uh, I'm a Chicago fan. Nick is from Kansas City, and he is a Chiefs fan, and all that stuff. So here it is: the uh, testimony of a Chiefs fan on the uh, AFC Championship game. Okay, and this is why I believe the Chiefs lost. Some of the main key reasons. Obviously, there are some there are some key plays that that didn't go the Chiefs' way. Like, for example, Patrick Mahomes overthrowing Damian Williams on a on a little go route. But he's young. That'll happen. I agree. I agree it'll happen. But when you have when you don't score a touchdown on that on that play, looking back on a close game that went to overtime, it's one of those plays you do look at. Nevertheless, here are some key reasons for me as to why the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs got completely outcoached on the defensive side of the ball by Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick as they as it just has seemed all year with this Chiefs team with Bob Sutton at the helm of defensive coordinator obviously got relieved right more or less right after the game and maybe that might be due to Tony Romo completely exposing the fact that <laughs> the fact that he predicted almost every play of the Since Patriots was like the last what three minutes or more Tony Romo just got almost every single play on the commentary it was unbelievable to watch yeah it was pretty crazy to listen back on it but one big play that a lot of people are forgetting about is Chris Hogan's one-hand grab the one-hand catch that got that went to review they they confirmed that it was a catch he had it was a third and eight with six minutes left Chiefs are up by three points going with with six minutes he catches that ball, keeps the drive alive. They score with three minutes and 32 seconds to go up 24 to 21. That is a huge play. And if if he does not catch that ball or they call it overturned, however you saw it when you watched the game, the Chiefs probably score at that point. The offense had scored more or less every possession of the second half. And even if they don't, they're still going to take off a lot of time. And potentially even score a field goal, which will put them up by seven. So it's it's a very interesting thing to look back on and say, wow, one of the Patriots' very mediocre receivers this year, probably not even top three, honestly, made a play like that. 
in those close seconds. And that is one reason why Tom Brady is who he is, because he does get bailed out sometimes yeah, when the, the people around him definitely make plays to help him look better. And then D Ford lining up offsides after the interception off of going off of Grok's hands. But with that being said, Chiefs Kingdom and everyone around the country needs to relax on D Ford. D Ford has had an incredible year. He got his first nomination to the Pro Bowl that will be on later today. He has played outstanding, and the Chiefs definitely would not be there without his pass rush, and let alone how well he played against the Colts. That's one of the best defensive performances that the Chiefs have ever had against a just in the playoffs in yeah, general. just against a playoff team in the playoffs, all that kind of good stuff. He had a shutout in the whole first half, except, I mean, they did need an Anavinitarian missed field goal, but besides that, that was the last drive of the half anyways. And then last but not least... The Chiefs not being able to stop the Patriots on third down, including that third that, and eight. And that last series, I was listening on the radio once again, but I just heard it. Third and ten, third and ten, third and eight, third and ten, third and ten. Just over and over and over again. They would just pick it up every single time. And it's very deflating for a defense. They oh, had, yes. I think they had three straight third and tens yeah. in overtime. Yes. And they converted all three. Just to end that last drive in regulation as well. For the Patriots, just over and over and over again. Yeah, the Patriots converted on 68% of their third down attempts. That would be 13 for 19, 3 for 3, including their overtime drive that ended with a Rex Burkhead rushing touchdown to completely halt the Chiefs. Chiefs run at a Super Bowl first would be the first since Super Bowl four over the Minnesota Vikings. Very upsetting stuff because I believe the Chiefs, the Chiefs, I believe they're a better, they have better personnel than the Patriots. I believe that the that it more went toward Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels out coaching. Well, I think the Chiefs need to get some uh, better players on defense. I do too. I do too. I mean, that I think is what separates them. I mean, their offense is more explosive than the Patriots, yes, but the Patriots still have good pieces on their offense and big pieces on their offense and stuff like Michelle and Brady, Edelman, Gronk, all that kind of stuff. I mean, yes, when you start thinking of the Chiefs and, uh, like, Tyreek Hill. Sammy and, Watkins and all guys like yeah, that. Yeah, Travis Kelsey and stuff like that. Those pieces are, like, more dynamic, I would say, and, like, have a better capability to make big plays. But when you think about the defense, the Patriots is just a world above the Chiefs, and that showed on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a world above them, just because, like, that was, I mean, I think that was an all-time AFC championship game. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, and then you look at it, when D. Ford lined up offsides, Tom Brady didn't know that. He threw a terrible ball. That would have been his third pick of the game, and that's three turnovers. That wins the Chiefs the football game. D. Ford had a mental lapse happens and then I mean like I said I think that Chris Hogan play is that's the key play of this whole Patriots game because I mean they, they they took three minutes off the clock after that they went up by three and, and they that, reviewed it correct yes they reviewed and that and they reviewed it looked like a one. catch correct I believe so yes. so it, it was like the he, right call I, yeah I agree it was the right call but and then I believe he had another one that also went to review and but they actually called that one incomplete it, the both of them were very close you could have made the argument for either one, but the catch rule keeps changing so much. It's even hard for me to keep up with what is actually a catch. Luckily, this year they've kind of, it's definitely not as much of a controversy. But yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs had some mental errors in the game and they lost. And I mean, I'm not going to talk about the coin flip because I think that's, you know, that's just discussion for another day. Whether you believe the overtime rules should change or not, that's entirely your opinion. I'm just here to say you played 60 minutes of football, you could have won in those 60 minutes prior to the coin toss going up. A game should not come down to a coin toss. And the Chiefs, I mean, you look at the Chiefs, they have a lot of these guys signed. I mean, the only person you need to get signed back is D. Ford, realistically. And he's coming back for sure. Fran yeah, I think they're going to give him the franchise tag if I was to predict He's predict not going to do anything. anything like Le'Veon. He's going to accept the franchise tag. It's, I think yeah. he said he wanted it. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's just it's just an unfortunate situation for him. He, I think he took it head on though, and good for him. If I mean, you, he'll be back. If you have anything you want to add to this conversation we're having, feel free to uh, tweet at us at Weekly Walk KCOU. We'd love to hear what you have to say. 
we'd uh, bring it up on air and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you have any opinions, tweet at us at Weekly Walk KCOU. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about the disaster of a Mizzou basketball game at the end uh, that happened last night. Interested in joining KCOU? On Thursday, January 31st, there will be two sessions you can attend to learn more. One from 6 to 7 p.m. and another from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Each session will feature an open house immediately afterwards. Once again, sessions start at 6 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. at the Shack in the Mizzou Student Center. The shocking statistics are that one in five people in Boone County lives in poverty. Even worse, approximately 250 Columbia children are homeless. The Heart of Missouri United Way fights for solutions to improve lives by supporting 33 local organizations that strengthen the health, education, basic needs, and financial stability of our community. Join the fight today and live united by making your gift at uwheartmo.org donate. Stay up late with True False. New for 2019, the Stay Up Late wristband is perfect for music lovers who also want a taste of True False films and parties. You'll get access to all music concerts and showcases, free queuing for films starting 9 p.m. or later, and admission to the infamous Reaction Dance Party. For prices and for more information, please visit truefalse.org. And we're back here on uh, KCOU 88.1. Last night, Mizzou played LSU, and it's it's really hard to wrap your head around what happened. It's really hard to, uh, cause we, we were all there and, uh, yeah, Mizzou dominated a basketball game for 38 out of 40 minutes without Mark Smith, who is the best three point shooter in the power five conferences. And it's just hard to think that you can lose a game in the last two minutes with what Mizzou did. But we all now know that that is very possible. Yeah, and I'm going to be here to break down the entire game. I was there with Ethan. And so the so excuse me. So the Tigers were up 14 with about 2:20 left in the game. A three-pointer by Skylar Mays with, puts them down with with, with 2:08 to go in the game. Mizzou's up 14 points. That should be enough to get a win. Yeah, they, end of story. Yeah, Skylar Mays scored with 2:08 to put them down 11. Perrier had a turnover. Mays Mays again had an and one layup, makes a free throw, they're down by 8. Okay, I think that there's about a minute 52 left in the game. You're still up by eight. Geist had a turnover. Mays hit a three-pointer after that one guy stole it, shot it, missed it, got the offensive rebound, kicked it out to May. Mays, hit it, down by five. That's like a minute and a half left in this game, and now you're down by five after being up, after being up by 14 literally 30 seconds ago. And then Geist gets fouled, goes one for two at the line, down by six. Waters, their starting point guard, dribbles down the court, hits a three, down by three. Suggs had a turnover, leads to the foul on Tillman, hit both the free throws, down by one. And then last possession for Mizzou, or last realistic possession for Mizzou in regulation, Guy Smith's the three, leads to Ronnie Suggs getting another foul on the with two seconds left, which didn't look like it was a foul. Mizzou Arena erupted at the call since that kid jumped on his back. The guy goes one for two at the line, and the game goes to overtime. Mizzou gets a defensive rebound. I'm looking at ESPN here. Mizzou gets a defensive rebound with two minutes and 28 seconds to go in the game. Their win percentage, or their win probability at that point, take a guess. Uh, 88. 99.7% win probability. <laughs> With two and a half minutes to go, up by fourteen with the ball. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's definitely crazy to wrap your head around losing a game that you more or less dominated. I mean, they they kept increasing their lead more and more as the game went on. It wasn't just like they got off to a hot start. They got in foul trouble early and stopped fouling in the first, got it tied, thirty three all going into the second half, and they dominated the whole second half up until that point. It was definitely upsetting. It was definitely upsetting. Three turnovers in the last two minutes, one point in the last 208, with uh, Geist going one for two at the line. And including overtime. Mizzou was outscored in the last five minutes of overtime and 208 in regulation. They were outscored 30 to 10. 
Yeah, it's it's upsetting. It's because I mean that's, that's oh, a we ranked. We were very win. upset. That's a ranked. Well, I mean that's a ranked opponent. Upsetting is doing a generous. Yeah, it's a ranked opponent, and you wanna you wanna win those games because you're gonna have to if you want. First of all, if you want some of these kids to stay, because some of these kids actually have some real talent, they could go play. A lot of these kids could go play in a lot of different places, and you want to make. Who are you the thinking of when you say that? Uh, I I I wouldn't say Xavier Pinson. Because I guess he, on Twitter, he added someone and said that he'd yeah, get a tattoo think, of a tiger or yeah, something I like that. Yeah, I think he's staying. Um, I'm looking more toward it like Mark Smith. I think Mark Smith could leave for sure. I think Tillman's here to stay? Yeah. Tillman, I think I just don't think Tillman does enough. Like, he doesn't stay on the court enough. He just gets in fouls. I mean, he did, a, he did a relatively nice job last night. I mean, he had four, but he finished the game. Yeah, he did finish the game. I don't think he had a bad game last game, but... I mean, and it's been getting better for Tilly since uh, the season has moved on. He had that, I mean, we had the non-conference play at the beginning, which he was okay. And then towards the end of that, he uh, really started getting in foul trouble and he would foul out in like 10 minutes of game time or something like that. But since then, he has moved on and he's gotten a lot better at that. He's been staying on the floor much more in his last three games. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he's, I think he's starting to figure it out. But all last year fouled out early, got in foul trouble early, and just didn't couldn't stay on the court. And for being, you know, one of your best players, if not – actually, not your best player because Cassius Winston. Jordan, Jordan Geist. Or, yeah. And, I mean, this year, Jordan Geist. Last year, Cassius Winston. Yeah. And Jonte last year. Yeah, you had a lot of – yeah, you had – they've always had guards who could score. But he's still one of the best players on this I mean, team. I would you want say him out there. Yeah, I would say – I mean, especially with Mark out, there's really no question that he's probably the second best player on the floor behind Geist. Yeah, I would say that as well. Only other person you could say is Mark Smith, but those are your top three, top three scorers, all three averaging double digits. And you could definitely tell that the Tigers were missing Mark Smith last night because, I mean, Torrance Watson and Ronnie Suggs are all right, but uh, it's really hard to miss the best three-point shooter in the Power Five conferences. I was really impressed... With 38 of the first 40 minutes of, of the game, of course. I was very impressed with their defense. I thought they played very well defensively. I thought Pickett did a good job. I thought Purrier had a good defensive game. I mean, and we put up plenty of points tonight or last night. Yeah. I mean, more than we usually do. We're usually like a, uh, like a, like a high 60s, low 70s kind of team that wins by not letting up a lot of points, but we just let that slip away at the end of that last game. I mean, with two minutes to go... Um, they only have, uh, what, what would it be? I don't know. I'm, the, I'm <laughs> struggling to do math here in the morning here. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we held them pretty, pretty well throughout the first, uh, yeah. 38 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Only allowing them to score 33 in the first half and then leaving it to about 50 with two minutes left in the game. Yeah, I think it was 58. With two, with yeah, with 208 to go, they uh, LSU had 56 points. Yeah, they so ended they had up a, scoring 86. Yeah, they had a great they had a great whole. If you take the whole game into consideration, they actually played a very good basketball game. And I don't know exactly what Conzos would say. I mean, they just they broke that press very well at the beginning of the game because they could just pass right through it. X and his counterpart or Geist and his counterpart, whoever was playing point guard at the time, would just pass it to their to their uh to their counterpart and they would just go back and forth right up the court, yeah. get it up in Com- seven seconds. Combination of either X or Geist or Pickett or Watson or Suggs. Yeah, or even Those they four. would use Purry or sometimes, yeah. They were starting to use them during the end of the game, yeah. Yeah, it was just they were able to break it, but then once they put some pressure on them, they they just choked. I mean, there's no real other way to say it. I mean, you can't be it's, up by it's, Yeah, it's inexcusable to lose a game. You're up by 14 with two minutes to go. Yeah, you just, I mean, that's like some, that's something you'd see in March Madness. It reminds me of like Northern Iowa when they played Texas A&M. I believe those are the two teams. They were down, they were up by like 12 with a minute left. Not as severe, but it's almost, it's almost as bad. It's pretty it's pretty upsetting because Mizzou did need this to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive and it would have been a good a good conference win. It would have been helpful to have a win over a conference team that's not Texas A&M. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And the next was, game they have is what, what in 3 days uh against Auburn. Yes, at Auburn. At Auburn. 
who is currently ranked, might drop out. They lost yesterday to Texas A&M. Yeah, but, I don't uh, think they'll drop. I don't think they'll drop 10 spots and drop out. They're 16th right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a rough road for Mizzou in conference. I mean, we knew this after, as soon as John Tay got injured. We knew it was going to be tough for us here in conference play. Like, our projection dropped from middle of the pack to bottom of the pack. And, and it, it didn't help that John Tay, that John Tay got hurt when he did. Because it was like, I think there was like two or three weeks going into the first yeah, game of the year. It was a preseason friendly, I think, against one of the Southern Illinois schools at Mizzou Arena. A close scrimmage. Yeah. And then he got, he got hurt. You know, and it just that will just mess up with any team's rotations because given that that was your best player on the team that year, probably going to be a lottery pick in the upcoming draft given his talent and how well he was probably going to play. And he got himself in shape, which, which was the thing that most people were talking about last year with him going to the draft and everything like that was the fact that he his body fat percentage was too high and he definitely was working on that in the offseason and getting more in shape. Yeah, it's just an upsetting it's it's just really upsetting just given that the last two seasons for Mizzou basketball, your best player has gotten hurt. Both of them being the Porter brothers gotten hurt more or less before the season began. Yeah. Porter you can't really consider Michael having much playing time. Yeah, he played two minutes. I believe it was actually totaling out to a hundred seconds against who was it? Iowa State, I believe. I don't even remember who I believe the first they game played Iowa against. State. But yeah, didn't didn't really get to play much at all <laughs> and the team obviously struggled because it was more or less centered around giving him the ball getting him touches yeah. and then you have to find someone else to fill that role and you're obviously not going to be able to do that so you have to change your entire your entire offensive scheme that you have been working for working towards since about august so you're just going to relatively relatively you're going to struggle you're going to struggle a lot and you're probably not going to even get Get to the tournament, and even if you do, you're going to get bounced early. All right. I think that's all we have here for Mizzou basketball. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to be back after the break to discuss the rest of the college basketball world and what has gone on in the past week. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. We are peers from the Sexual Health Advocacy Peer Educator Program, SHAPE, at Mizzou. We are stronger than ever this year. To refresh your memory, we provide a variety of services centered around sexual health education to faculty, students, and staff on Mizzou's campus as well as the Columbia area. We provide free barrier contraception methods across campus in residence halls, the Women's Center, and the Student Health Center. We provide sexual health educational programs to organizations on campus. We put on events throughout the year, such as Spectacular and Get Yourself Tested. Missouri Tigers football and men's and women's basketball on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU Sports is brought to you by El Rancho. Located at 1014 East Broadway, El Rancho provides themselves in serving up fresh and authentic Mexican food. To look at their menu and learn more, go to www.columbiamomexicanfood.com. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. And we are back. Now we're going to discuss the Kentucky-Kansas game. Kentucky won by eight, seventy-one to sixty-three, after outscoring Kansas by eleven in the second half. Well, one interesting thing I noticed throughout this, or I didn't get to watch the game. We were both at the Mizzou LSU game, but looking at the statistics, four for eighteen from shooting, shooting from the three for Kentucky. That's not usually not going to win you I basketball say, games. They're shooting twenty-two percent <laughs> from out there, is what it looks like from where I'm at, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty not great. <laughs> no, it's it's not good at all. And they also turned the ball over more. So, how exactly did they win this game? <laughs> I don't know. I actually am struggling to find, like, a statistic. They did shoot the ball better from the floor. And say, I'm looking at, I'm looking at your, uh, your win probability graph here on ESPN, and it looks like 
they were projected to win this game almost the entirety of the second half. Yeah, after KU up by three going yeah. into the, the second half, and then yeah, with I'd say at halftime, Kansas had a fifty-three point eight percent win percentage. I'm not sure how they calculate this, but it's fine. They won the jump, and then Kentucky proceeded to dominate the entire second half. That is a good question as to how they calculate win percentage. We'll do some research. We'll get back to you next <laughs> week. Yeah, one thing I do notice, though, is that they shot 12 more free throws, and they both shot about the same percentage. So calculate that in. They hit nine more free throws. I mean, than it's, easier at, it's easier to shoot free throws at home because the game was at Rupp. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. But they just shot more is what and I'm saying. They out-rebounded them. Yeah, they significantly out rebounded them, by and they 13. had they had seventeen offensive rebounds. Yeah, like I second that. chance points is gonna help you win that game. Yeah, for sure. No technical fouls though. That's good. Everyone because we had two of those in our game. Just don't get me started on that. Every, <laughs> very early as well. Very early. But yeah, oh, yeah. Dedrick Lawson had fouled a, a lot. Yeah, Dedrick Lawson looked like he had a pretty. Pretty good game, though. He had had 20 20 points points. and 15 rebounds. That was one person I wanted to highlight while discussing this. I believe he had a a pretty good game. I mean, 7 for 18. Maybe wanted to be a little bit higher if you're going to Rupp Arena. 2 for 3 from 3. I mean, and on the season, he's averaging 19.5 points and 11.1 rebounds and almost 2 assists as well. So he's having a really good year. One person who did not have a very good game was Miles Garrett, one of their... One of their guards that have been there for years and he's understood the system very similar to like a frank mason not as talented however but he has he's been around for a while same with legerald vick yeah legerald vick needs to score more than 10 probably in this game i i think i i think 10's a reasonable number for him he, he's not someone he's gonna score i think i think you might need a little bit more point out points out of grimes but i think everyone played okay i mean miles garrett shooting I mean, one for nine is not ideal legerald vick I mean, he only had one assist as well. So if he's not going to score as much as I mean, as much as you might need from a player of his caliber, he's going to need to pass the ball too. But that's just not what happened. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to really look at statistics like that. I mean, Kansas moves the ball incredibly well. That's one thing I've always noticed about their teams. And Bill Self will use this game, in my opinion, as a as just a walking stone to get to the March I mean, Madness tournament. And I'm looking at Kentucky here. You had three players that double-doubled. Three starters that double-doubled. You have uh, Reed Travis had 18 uh, points and 12 rebounds. Washington had 20 points and 13 rebounds. And Johnson had 15 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, and uh, Haggins, one of their guards, uh, only needed two more assists to get a double-double as well. Yeah, P.J. Washington had a great... He's a great player. And the hype going into this game was about Tyler Hero and what he needed to do so that Kentucky could beat Kansas. And Tyler Hero didn't really have to do much. He only had six points. I mean, he had five boards and four assists, which is good. But he didn't really score the ball like he has in the past, and everyone else picked up the slack. But in Kansas's favor, at least, going into Rupp Arena is an incredibly hard place to play. We would know. And this game... And this game means relatively nothing for Kansas. It's a good experience for them, in my opinion. And I mean, they'll, I mean, they'll learn for it. From do they it. still make the... Wow, I'm looking at this there. One and four on the road this year? Yeah. All of Kansas's losses have come away from, uh, yeah, from that, Allen Fieldhouse, I mean, which usually, is expected. Yeah, that's yeah. usually what happens. They've probably... Since we've been alive, they probably only lost single digits at Allen Fieldhouse. But, I mean, but still, that's not a great record for them on the road. Yeah. They need to fix that if they want to win the uh, Big 12. I think they'll be I yeah. think they'll win the Big 12 for sure. I think that's Can anyone compete with them for the Big 12? No. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think anyone. You think Texas Tech ranked highly, you don't think they can? No. Iowa State's beat them once already, you don't think they can? I've seen I've seen some very good teams come through the Big 12 in recent memory. Buddy Heald's team. Yeah, the Oklahoma team that West went to Virginia the yep. with Javon Carter and mm-hmm. all those guys. Press Virginia, they couldn't do it. Mizzou couldn't do it when they went 30-5 and five their last year in the Big 12. K-State couldn't do it last year. I don't see them doing it this year. They might, but I just, me personally, I just don't see them doing that. It's necessarily not uh, Texas Tech just because they lost Sire Smith. I just don't. I just don't see any of these. Te- I'm looking at the list right now. The person, the team that's tied with them is K State. 
In Kansas, they're five and two in conference. I believe they they probably won't lose. They lost to many. Iowa State and West Virginia both on the road. Yeah, they probably won't lose many more games in conference play. I see them going fifteen straight, and that's coming from somebody who does not like Kansas at all. With that being said, I have to be realistic with my with my predictions, and I just don't see anyone beating them, taking that throne from them, at least this year. They they have such a good team this year with Dodson, Grimes, and Dietrich Lawson. Yeah, Texas Tech was the team that everyone usually thinks will come in second, and their start was just not good enough probably to finish that at 4-3. and three. Yeah, they I agree They need to that. start better through seven games if anyone wants to catch Kansas. You need to probably be a 6-1 and one through seven or better than that even. Yeah, and I mean, the Kansas has lost Azubuke, who is a seven foot one. Oh, and yeah, freak. he's really good. He's a freak athlete from Nigeria. He's just an absolute physical specimen, and he is someone you have to game plan for very heavily. So I'm looking at the rest of Kansas's schedule here. They have Texas Tech twice. They have Kansas State twice. They have West Virginia. They have Oklahoma once. They have Baylor once. They have Oklahoma State twice, and they have TCU. Yeah, the three th- the, uh, the three teams that I see them beating, or see see beating the Kansas's fourteen year run is K State, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. I don't think anyone else realistically yes, I mean, has a and chance. And I think it's possible that they lose more games on the road here, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's really it. I don't think they're going to lose in Allen Fieldhouse because that's just pretty much impossible for them to do. I mean, Iowa State looked like they had it. I'm not sure if it was this week or last week when Iowa State went into Allen Fieldhouse, but I remember watching that game and it looked like they had a chance. And then Kansas just came back in the final five minutes and just took it away. Yeah, that's what I'd say that as well. I mean, Kansas they always go on huge runs in Allen Fieldhouse, so that's why you need at least somewhat of a cushion, like a six or eight point cushion. But with that environment that they have there and a closed space where they just pack people in because they're just so good. They, they just it overcomes teams and they go on they they go on huge runs. They feed off the crowd, and they win. They ended up winning basketball games. That's why they have won the regular season Big Twelve title the last fourteen years. And uh, just other things around college basketball yesterday. Did you see the NC State buzzer beater yes, against I did. Clemson? What yes. a shot that was! If you haven't seen it, highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, 14-0 run to end the game, I yes. believe, was the, was the I mean, number. And anyone that makes a buzzer beater is 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 awesome, but uh, just doing it at home in front of your home fans and dominating the end of a basketball game like that is uh, it's always fun to see unless you're on the losing end of it, of course. Yeah, Clemson, yeah, Clemson having a very Mizzou-like game in terms of blowing a huge lead late. And, yeah. It's it's upsetting for them because they, they dominated that game for the most part, similar to how Mizzou did. Another game we watched yesterday, unranked Illinois going into Madison Square Garden and taking down Maryland. Yeah, that one that one actually shocked me given that Maryland was already in the bonus and Illinois only had four, three fouls I mean, for them. We watched most of the second half of that game and for the entire time we thought that Maryland was going to somehow climb back in it, but... I'm not sure if it was something Illinois did or if it just was Maryland not being able to make the shots that they normally would make, but they just never could climb back in, and Illinois ended up running away with it, winning by 11. I think it was more turnovers. They just made some very bad passes. Illinois played great defense on these passes, though, and that that was the difference for me. I believe that Maryland just couldn't get any shots up because they kept turning the ball over almost every possession in the last 10 minutes, especially on crucial possessions. And so the SEC Big 12 Challenge finished another year yesterday with the Big 12 taking it again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, the teams you expected or thought might win in the SEC won, and then everyone else lost because you had your Tennessee win and you had your Kentucky win. And uh, I think one other SEC team won. but I'm not sure which one, but, I mean, then, then all the other, like, relatively even games that they pick in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, the Big 12 took. Yeah, I, I, the Big Twelve is a more is a better basketball conference than the SEC, and I don't even think that's comparable. The SEC, they're though, though better this year. They still are not a very good, very good basketball. They are a heavily football dominated conference. You know, they have as many. I mean, the new AP poll will come out tomorrow, and the rankings will all change. But they had as many ranked teams as the ACC last week. 
They did. They did. But I, I don't I don't really pay attention to rankings at this point. February is where I start really looking at them because right now everyone's half your schedule, you've played bum teams for a lot of these teams. It's true. The non-conference schedule for most of these teams has been not great. I mean, some of them have really hard ones, but most teams for the most part have played not very many people besides the people they played in conference. Yeah, so that's just how I that's just how I have always approached it, given the circumstances. I mean, you don't have many teams in the SEC that even go to the tournament in a lot of seasons. This one's going to be a little different, and last year was a little different. But in the Big Twelve, I just think that they're they're more competitive basketball schools. There's just a lot of, especially lately with like West Virginia emerging with. Uh, with the uh, press Virginia and all that, Baylor has had some great years. When Mizzou went thirty and five, that was a great season for Oklahoma them. Oklahoma usually has some talented players. Kansas State with Devin Wade as well. That's another. That's another great player that is in the Big Twelve. That is that they didn't start very well, but they've started out conference play five and two. So rank your basketball conferences from best to worst. ACC is number one. I I agree with that pick. Uh, give me two the Big Twelve. Three, the Big Ten, SEC, and then the Pac-12. All right. I think I pretty much agree with that. We're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to recap a little bit of what happened on NBA's Saturday primetime between the Warriors and the Celtics. And then we're going to move into our moments of the week. Sixteen semesters and eight years ago, our forefathers brought upon KCOU a new sports talk show, Salute Your Sports. Join me, Chris Mitchell, along with James Stanley and Matthew Terry every Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 5 on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia and online at KCOU.FM. You can check us out on Twitter as well at KCOU Salute. Salute Your Sports is the only Mizzou-centered sports talk show on the KCOU airwaves. Don't miss out on the action. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit, no time to waste. Oh, man, mm, man. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. All right. Welcome back here in the studio. And uh, we're going to recap what happened last night on Saturday primetime. The NBA rolled out this slate a few weeks back over winter break, and they started saying we're going to have a big uh, premiere game every Saturday night on ABC. Last night we had the uh, fourth-place team in the East, the Celtics, and the first-place team in the West, the Warriors, playing each other. And it was a good game all the way through, I'd say. Yeah, Kyrie Irving had his shining moments in which he creates his own shots. I mean, he shows that skill almost every time he's on the court. It's unbelievable to see sometimes. Yeah, Kyrie had a great game. Kevin Durant hit some big shots. Curry created some good shots for his teammates as well. That's one thing Curry has always been able to do. Even when he's not shooting the ball, he creates a lot of open looks for his teammates, even his role players to where they can thrive. And you know, the Warriors came out. The very winnable game for both teams. They could have gone either way. I'd say I, I expected the Warriors to win going in. I think every, I, I always expect yeah. the Warriors to win. I mean, Clay hit that really big shot at the end. And, uh, I mean, that was that. The Celtics held close. They held a lead here in the fourth quarter, I believe. I mean, a slim lead, but still, they were in it the entire time, pretty much, right up until the last minute when the Warriors just kind of had a short spurt and pulled away. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It was, like I said, close game all the way through. Could have gone either way. I think that's your ma- that might be your matchup for the NBA Finals. You think so? You don't think any other team's coming out of the East? No. Realistically, no. I <laughs> don't. I think that those are the best teams. All those guys are just going to keep getting better. They haven't hit their stride yet, in my opinion, which is a good thing. Because when teams hit their stride early, they tank and then they, yeah, they, they uh, sink. Fizzle out yeah. Yeah, at the end. 
It's mm. upsetting, and then you don't see actually their true potential. I think the Bucks have a chance, but that's a one-man show, and then you have Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton, but the Celtics realistically can go 10 guys deep, and you're not going to be able to stop them. And you really don't think the Raptors are going to do anything? No, I don't think the Raptors have a chance, and I say that with full confidence. Wow. I don't think Kyle Korver, or excuse me, I don't Kyle believe Lowry. Kyle Lowry can play in the postseason. Wow. I mean, obviously replacing DeMar DeRozan. Kyle Lowry, if you're listening, prove him wrong. Kyle Lowry's not going to do anything. He's literally not going to do anything. I can put, uh, next week I'll, I'll bring on statistics from Kyle Lowry's, just the shooting percentage, and we can say if Kyle Lowry will have All a right. good postseason. Next week, tune in, Raptors postseason preview. There is no way they make it out of the East. And you don't think Philadelphia is going to do it either? Philadelphia lost in five to the Celtics last year without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. They added Jimmy they Butler. They did add Jimmy. I mean, but the development of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid continues. Nah, Ben Simmons still can't shoot a jump shot. Would have worked in the 90s. You know, it's not working now. You got to be able to shoot. All right, write it down. Nick says Celtics in the NBA Finals. I think I predicted that already. I've already That's already set in stone. I uh, the the West kind of scares me. I think I said the Rockets were making out of the West. I mean, they still have a shot. Anyone I do too. With James Harden as a shot, I agree. But you have Chris Paul. I mean, and, yeah, and he's been injured for a lot of this season. And I mean, they have they have a really good team around them still. When Clint Capella comes back, I agree. I agree. They have a shot. They definitely have a shot. And then you have Eric Gordon. I mean, and what do you think about what do you think about Denver? <clears throat> Uh, it's a, it'll be interesting. They're going to need IT and MPJ to come back this year to make it out. And you think sure. they will come back, correct? I don't know. I, I think IT will. I don't know about MPJ. I don't know the severity of his injury, and I don't know what they're trying to do as an organization. I I would assume that they're not trying to rush either of them back. With that being said, this might be your time. Like You don't know. You exactly, really don't with know. Jokic playing the way he is. Well, the, No, that's not even it. I think the Rockets, if they can get healthy next year, they can win the West without any problem. And the the Warriors have looked strong as always, but maybe not as strong as they have been in previous years. I believe they've the media, lost more games. Yeah, the media blows that out of proportion because they know they can beat any team. If they play all seven games on the road, they can still win a series, no problem. That's what happens when you have two of the best three-point shooters in NBA history and Kevin Durant. Yeah, and Draymond Green, and now arguably the best center in basketball, Boogie Cousins. You're not... How are you going to win that battle? Like I said, you can give it seven road games. They can play seven road games if they have to. They can win that. This ain't a problem for them. Playing basketball. It's five All-Stars out there. Six Hall of Famers. What are you going to (laughs) do? I'm really not sure how to yeah. how to game plan for a yeah, team like that. I mean, you can't really do much. I mean, they're literally an all-star besides, team. Besides make five all-stars of your own, Yeah, not I mean, sure what else there is to do. Put them against the East Yeah, say, we were talking about this last night. Put them against, like, Kemba, Kyrie, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and who am I forgetting? You're forgetting Kawhi, I think. Yeah. Put them against those five, and we still think the Warriors would probably be able to win that game or a seven-game series. Yeah, I think, and even and even talent, not, not even like playing, just because obviously chemistry, they're going to beat a team, but playing just... Yeah, just straight like talent and like yeah, skill level-wise. Talent-wise, they're yeah. right there. They're literally, com- that's a... That's a it is an all-star game. team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the starting five especially, and they've always been able to go deep, and that's always been the Warriors thing. Like, if you look back on even when... Even when the Cavs lost in five after they beat them in seven, I believe it was 2017 finals, LeBron in the starting five as a whole outplayed the Warriors. Even or even if they did not play, it was they both scored like 70 points. Yeah. The point differential wasn't very high. But when you went to the bench, oh, Sean Livingston scored 15. Oh, Iguodala. An- Andre Iguodala had 18. Oh, and then both them alone are outscoring the Cavs. We were talking about this a little bit last night. Andre Iguodala could probably start for any other team in the league. Maybe not any other team, because I believe like there are some very talented At teams. At least 75%. I don't know. I, I don't know if you make it that high, but I, I, like I said, I have to look around. But, yeah, for sure start on some basketball teams. But he has played that 
played that six-man, seventh-man role. On and he's this done team. a fantastic job, and I don't think they would have won some of their championships without him. No, they. A lot of if any piece crumbles on a championship team, a lot of them, a lot of them succumb to the pressure of having to do more and having to do having to just perform up to a higher level than what they already can because a lot of people max out, especially when you're playing professional basketball against the top 400 players in the NBA in the world. It's tough. It's tough. So that's why you can't lose any players, and that's why the Rockets have struggled this year. I would agree with that. Now we're going to move real quick into our uh, moment of the week. My moment of the week this week was Michigan's Charles Matthews guard. Buzzer beater against Minnesota this week. And then also a little co one. They went into Assembly Hall and completely destroyed oh, absolutely Indiana. Absolutely dismantled them. Going up like twenty four four, going up by like twenty points early and, and Indiana just, scored forty six points at home. Yeah, that is pretty that's pretty bad. That's that's definitely not what you want to see out of a out of a team. Yeah, that just can't happen. I mean, and Michigan just been dominating so far in the Big Ten. Uh, my moment of the week was something I saw on Twitter this morning, a game between Old Dominion and UTSA. Uh, with uh, about three minutes to go, uh, Old Dominion had a win probability percentage of 99.9%, which is about as close to 100 as you can get. <laughs> that, that is as close. <laughs> and uh, UTSA erased a 17-point Old Dominion lead and won the game 74-73 on a uh, 22-4 to run in the last three minutes. Just another uh, thing similar to the NC State and Mizzou games yesterday. Kind of a crazy day in college basketball with some of these late comebacks uh, for those teams. Yeah, for sure. Crazy games, crazy games. All right, upset watch. Texas over Kansas going to Arlington. I just I think Shaka has always performed well. His teams have always performed well against Kansas, despite the win-loss probably not even being in his favor. But a lot of the games are close. They're very competitive. I believe they take this one and put Kansas in a hole going into the rest of the Big 12. My upset pick, I have a friend that goes to Iowa. He always tries to tell me that Iowa is a basketball school. Prove it. Beat Michigan on Friday at Iowa. That's my upset pick for the week. All right, uh, that's about all the time we have here. Uh, we're going to close it out with the way we usually do in the little country roads. Uh, we'll see you next week here at 9 a.m. Sunday. We'll be back. All right, thanks for listening.